This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to Rebellious Reinvention. I'm really excited to be talking more intimately with you and sharing more nuance in my stories. I think this was ultimately the purpose of starting this podcast was to really connect with my audience in a more complete, nuanced, articulate, conversational way. I feel like over on Instagram, I've built this amazing following and community, but it feels a little bit more one-sided. Not that talking to you in a podcast isn't one-sided, but this is really so that I can articulate further how I feel about things and be in conversation with you in a way that is so much more limited on other platforms, even in a long form blog or in my emails. If you're on my email list, I don't get to have this many words and this many emotions. So this is really a place for me to share all of that. And, you know, I wanted to, before I jump into this podcast, which is my microdose story and how I healed my postpartum depression, um, I really wanted to just acknowledge that it's starting something new and starting a new variant of something new, like doing this solo podcast, um, is nerve wracking and imposter syndrome comes up and fear of not being accepted, not being loved, not know what I'm talking about, not know who I'm talking to. Will I be able to perform on camera and share my story with you guys? So it's been an interesting thought process to go through the journey of creating this solo podcast for you, even for myself who, you know, you guys always tell me I'm so cool and so confident, but it doesn't always feel that way. You know, I go through my own processes as well. And I just wanted you to know that you're not alone when you start something new. Um, And even when it's not new, when there's just a new variation or new layer added, you can really come up against your own limiting beliefs, your own imposter syndrome. And so I definitely felt that as well. I've spent several weeks, days thinking about what I wanted to share on these podcasts and it hasn't been free from fear. Um, But the point of doing this is the same. I connect to my why, to connect deeper to my people out there so that people hear my story and it can break down their perceptions and their fears. And another reason that I do what I do, move forward in the directions that I move in that are really uncomfortable for me is to show you that it's possible and to give you permission to do the same. So that's what today is. It's getting over the hump start trying something new, communicating directly to you on this podcast. And 
I hope that it resonates and I hope that it allows you to take a step in a new direction that you've been afraid of as well. Um, so today we're going to talk about my postpartum journey. We're going to talk about how I healed my four-year depression through microdosing and why I call my four-year depression postpartum. Um, I think my story about postpartum depression will really resonate with so many of you women who have had kids because it is, I believe, a more typical one. It is not the one week out, obvious postpartum baby blues. I didn't have suicidal, homicidal thoughts. It was more of this thing that my life was so different and all my personal variables made it so difficult for me personally to adjust to motherhood. The new lifestyle, sleep exhaustion, my new body, less movement, less personal freedom, in fact, none in the very beginning for a very long time. Um, compacting that with a new role of caretaker and my partner's role as provider, it was shock. It was a shock, shock, shock to my system adjusting to that new life. And I think so many mothers can resonate with that, new moms. Um, and I think for any of those any of you women who are not mothers yet and who are thinking about motherhood, you know, I read probably 15 books before I became a mom and they were all about birthing. <laughs> and you really need to research the fourth trimester. You know, we have three trimesters during pregnancy. And I think that a lot of new moms spend all their time reading about how to nurture their body and nurture their the fetus and welcome this new baby into the world. And maybe even the early days, like how to do things and how to feed your baby nutritious foods. But really you need to dig in to the fourth trimester, preparing your own mental state for this new baby that's going to be entering your world and what that means for you and your partner, having really deep discussions about what time looks like, what organization looks like. Anyways, I digress. I want to get back to my story. So obviously you guys know me as a life and business coach, but I was not yet a life and business coach when I had my daughter, Samaya. Before that, I had been a yoga teacher, a retail buyer. We were living in a, and a retail buyer for yoga studios. We were living in a brand new city. We were living in LA and I didn't have a job to go back to at least not one that was even mildly worth the cost of a babysitter or nanny. Um, and postpartum crept up slowly. When I filled out those forms po at the postpartum checkups, those forms that they make you fill out, they're like required. <clears throat> they say things like, are you experiencing depression? Are you experiencing sadness, suicidal thoughts, homicidal thoughts? They ask you all these specific questions around your mental health. And I wanted to be all good. I checked every box. Nope, nope, nope. Totally great over here. No postpartum depression here. And we were living, at the time we were living between New York City, LA, and Miami because Gabe, my fiance, was opening um, three broken shakers that year. I did not plan on getting pregnant. My goal in life at that moment was to move to LA with Gabe flourish my yoga career, create workshops, go to New York, do the same thing and have this tri-coastal um, career where I was elevating my yoga brand. And that is not what happened. I became pregnant and now I had a newborn that we were traveling to three cities with simultaneous, simultaneously. 
We obviously did not have support systems in place. I didn't feel worthy of childcare, which is a big one for new moms. I was just beginning to get my coaching certification because I realized, okay, yoga teaching, teaching classes for $30, $70, $100 an hour driving back and forth to yoga studios doesn't really make sense when you're paying a babysitter. Um, It also... I felt a deeper calling to move in a different direction and reach people in a different way. So it was a wonderful push to move out of the yoga space, but it didn't feel like a choice necessarily. So as we were traveling around, living in all these different cities, I was getting my life and business coach certification. I have to say that we're foodies. We Gabe owns restaurants, he owns bars, they're super hip. Everything's super salty and savory and just delicious. And I was eating out like crazy. I had no yoga practice. My days were sedentary. I was sitting on a couch with a kid all day. Maybe in New York, I was pushing Samaya around, but I was definitely getting bagels and coffee on the reg. Cause like, how can you not? You're in New York. And that was the problem. I felt like I was living in this space of lack. Oh my God, we're only going to be here for so long. Let me just eat this up. Oh my gosh, this is temporary. Let me just, postpartum is temporary. Oh, breastfeeding will help you lose weight. I was like living on myths and lack. I began to gain more weight than I'd even gained during pregnancy. Now, I have no body shame. It doesn't matter what size you are, what you want to be, but I really personally love to live a really healthy lifestyle. It's what feels good to me. And I like to be fit. I like to feel the freedom wearing whatever I want. And that was really triggering for me to be gaining weight, which felt like uncontrollably on because some of it was hormonal. Some of it was due to the life, the new lifestyle as mom, the lack of yoga practice. And my life just felt upside down. Now to top this off, I have an eating disorder. I've lived with for many, many years, bulimia. So this was extremely triggering to my bulimia because I didn't, because I was living in this space of lack and I was using food as a control and I was indulging, overindulging, binge eating. My eating disorder was super triggered. And I say that I have an eating disorder because I really believe it's really similar to alcohol. Food is it's there. It's normalized. We obviously are allowed to enjoy it and need to. It's necessary. And so it's also normalized that we overindulge it, right? And so for me, it's never really gone away completely. The feeling when I binge to not purge. And I've worked in hypnotherapy. I don't do it anymore. But if I overeat and I really indulge, it's still there. So I live with that. I'm highly aware of it. I have systems in place. I've changed my psychology around my eating and my food. I love my food. I pray over it now. I overindulge often still. We're still foodies. My husband still, or my fiance still owns bars and restaurants, right? But it was extremely triggering at the time. So I gained all this weight. On top of that, I had my hair bleached. I was doing a full process bleach, which means platinum blonde. My hair all fell out. This girl fucked up my hair. So I had like 
hair falling out of the scalp, literally. I had to cut my hair off like the, to my ears. Didn't feel like myself. Gained weight, traveling, no sense of community, new mom. And it just compounded. It takes years to rein all that back in, to get the eating disorder under control, hypnotherapy, psychology, like uh, therapy sessions, um, changing my behaviors, getting a practice again, a yoga practice, a physical movement practice, getting my spiritual practice back in order, right? That takes years. There's no switch to turn your life around from 180 degrees, right? It really takes time. So over the next three to four years, I I was moving the needle, right? I was changing the direction, but it was a long haul. It was really difficult. And I like to say that my depression was like a cloud that thickened and thinned, but it never really went away. I became a life and health coach. I had an amazing career. The pandemic happened. I felt like I got healthier than ever during the pandemic. I took six months off drinking any alcohol. I was working out like crazy. Gabe was here at home. He wasn't working in restaurants and bars. They were all closed. It was wonderful. I had a great support system then. But the trauma of becoming a new mom and losing my identity was there still. It is a traumatic event Event birth. It doesn't have to be, but it, it definitely can be, and it is for so many women. And so this depression was there, like this little your cloud just following me everywhere I went. And it got to the point towards the end of the quote unquote pandemic. I say that because like in Miami, it was like not even, we weren't even shut down anymore. I was living in my own mental pandemic. And we, it, it was probably a year and a half, two years ago now, I told Gabe, I'm having more bad days than good. Even though my career was really great, even though my friendships were really strong, we now lived in a house, we were totally stable. There was something in there. And I like use the motion of like a knife in my side. As I say this, it was like something was in there and lodged in there and I just couldn't get it out. No matter what I did, no matter how much healing, I was doing the hypnotherapy, working on my subconscious, doing NLP, working with healers, life coaches, you name it, I did it. And I'm telling you, like it definitely thinned, but there was still something that was just lodged, some trauma. And I said to Gabe, I might need to go on antidepressants and I've never ever wanted to do so because I've never been acutely depressed or anxious. And I said, I just need you to support whatever decision that I have. And he said, whatever you need, I support you. But I just want to ask you, he'd been doing, let me tell you a little side note. He'd been doing, um, like Bufo medicine, which is toad medicine and doing some other journeys. And I've had experience in the past. I've done peyote, ayahuasca, um, 
mushrooms, LSD, MDMA, all the things in ceremony for the past 10 or 12 years. But since I'd become a mom, I had not done any psychedelics, none. So he says to me, because he'd been on this new medicine journey himself, why don't you just try these microdoses? And I look up at the shelf and we had like 20 jars of random different psychedelics and medicines that he'd been collecting and bringing home from his ceremonies, gifts and things that people would give him. And I said, I don't know. I'm terrified to let go of this reality. Like you're so dependent on me. Samaya is so dependent on me. And if you're a mom, this is going to resonate. You're the glue that holds everything together. Like your husband, your partner, like they can hardly find the mustard in the freaking fridge, right? Like, where's the diapers? They're there. Oh my God. They were behind a t-shirt, right? Like it's so, it seems daunting to attempt to let go of your reality, right? And so even though he was suggesting a microdose of psychedelic mushrooms, I was afraid that it would really detach me from the 3D. And I was nervous. And so, and also back in the day when you did a microdose of mushrooms, you like literally bit a piece of mushroom and hoped that you didn't like have a full macrodose. Like you just didn't know. You weren't, we weren't really weighing them. We didn't talk about the norm of like what microdosing was, like the amount, right? The measured amount. And so I was just afraid. So I said to him, listen, I'm ready to wave the right white flag and give myself up to anything. I will try the microdoses of mushrooms and see what happens. I might as well, right? If I'm willing to go on medication, I should be willing to try this. After all, I'm not afraid of psychedelics. I'm just afraid as mom of psychedelics. And I've heard that so many times from women. So here's the story, guys. It gets good. So I take the jar. I take one of the pills. It's 0.2, which is the recommended amount. 0.2 grams. And I had this huge to-do list. My new website had come out. I was supposed to be scaling my business. I invested $40,000 on my new branding, new website, new photography, new videography, and I had yet to launch a new course from it. A new the sales pages, I would launch them and like take the launch down even. And so this was like the beginning of summer. My daughter was going to be in school less hours and I had this huge to-do list market the next course, launch the next course, send the emails, write the emails, all the things. I'd done it so many times in the past and there was something that I just couldn't, I couldn't move forward. I would start and then stop, right? So I have these microdoses in hand. I take one, I go in my office and I'm like, I heard these are really good for curing anxiety, focus, clarity, I'm going to bang out this to-do list. Like the Silicon Valley bros, this is what they they recommend. I'm going to nail this. So I go in my office. I open the computer. The window's right in front of where my computer sits. And 
I'm on my computer for about 45 minutes trying to hammer away at this to-do list. And I look out the window and it's gorgeous. I live in Miami. It's like about to be summer. The sun is shining so bright. It's like 11 a.m. And I see Gabe running around outside working out and swimming. And I realized that since the pandemic started and I scaled my business in this office, that I literally spend four to eight hours a day in the office. I'm home with Samaya most of the time after that. I do some things on the weekends, but primarily I spend all my time in the house. So as I looked outside, I realized, holy shit, I live where people vacation and I'm not enjoying it. I'm actually rejecting it because of my belief system that I have to scale this business and the fact that I place my value in my income and who I am in this world to other people. And in that moment, it was this huge shift. So I shut my computer. I thought, I'm just going to go take a break outside and enjoy it for a few minutes. I shut my computer. I go outside. I'm literally in sweats because I used to work in loungewear all day. So I'm like in sweats and like a sports bra. And I lift up my sweats and I go stand in my pool. And Gabe's like, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know, but it feels really good. Enough of that. I come back inside. I get a few things done on my to-do list. It feels great. I leave my office a few hours later. It's fine. The next day, take a pill. Look outside 45 minutes in. Realize the same thing. What am I doing? Disconnecting myself from nature, from source, from God's abundance. What am I doing inside here? I go outside. This time, I'm in shorts because, I don't know, something in me was like, wear shorts today. Like, it's a beautiful day. Stop being in sweats. You're not even, like, available to go outside, right? I walk outside. I stand in the pool. Gabe's like, what are you doing? I said, I don't know, but I like it. Same thing, right? The next day, take the pill. 45 minutes in, shut the computer. This time, I walk outside. I strip completely fucking naked. And I jump in the pool. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't fucking know. But like, I think I just quit my career. And he just laughed. And that summer, what really ended up happening was that I recognized I wasn't getting anything done in my business. I wasn't scaling it. In fact, it was costing me money. I had an assistant. I had tech VAs. I had softwares and programs and systems that I paid for on a monthly basis. It cost me at least three to $5,000 to run my business at that moment. And I wasn't generating new income. So what was I doing? I was working harder at something that wasn't working. Why? Why do we do that? It's like, oh, I need to post more on Instagram because I need to get more clients, but you're already posting. So you're going to post more? No, just post differently, right? So that summer, I realized and recognized within myself, I needed to take a huge step back. I needed to reevaluate why I had this business, who this business was for, what income versus sanity versus self-love I needed. 
I needed to evaluate our home's variables. Do I need to work and at what cost? Of course, I want to work. Of course, I need to work in some ways. But I have the privilege to not work if I wanted, right? And I think so many of us moms, specifically, if you're at this point in your life where you're the primary caretaker and your husband is the primary provider, it doesn't matter if you have ambition. If you have the privilege of that, right? If you have the choice, you need to really question why you're working. Because if you're working because your value is dependent on your income and how people perceive you, it's not worth the cost to your family and your mental health and your soul's purpose. Now I'm a passion-driven person. My passion drives me. I want to make a fuckload of money too, and I have permission to desire and have all of that. But the way in which I was working to achieve that was not sustainable for me, was not healthy for my family and I, and was not actually scalable. So I really began to question what is the point and what is driving me. And so I implore you, if you're experiencing any of the same variables or you resonate with this at all, really dig in, question why are you doing it? If it is for the money, if it is for the validation, and you don't actually 100% need the money, and even if you do need the money, we all need money, you have to question what the what is the motivator and how am I doing it? Is it sustainable? Is it taking a toll on my health? So that summer, I proceeded to take three months off. Since even becoming a new mom, I had never given myself permission to actually take three months off. I'd always worked in some capacity. Even when we were traveling, I had an event company with my midwife. We launched it right after I birthed my child. Hello, serial entrepreneurship and living in lack. It was called Drive by Grace. We did events in Miami, New York, and LA. They were really amazing. It's how I grew my following. Grateful for the opportunity and experience, but I'd never given myself just three months to not do anything. Meanwhile, there was definitely three plus months where I didn't make income and I just spent a lot of money on my business. If I'm really honest with myself, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there can say the same thing. If they're really honest with you, yeah, there's months where you make 10, 20, 30 grand more. And there's months where you make nothing. It's feast or famine. It's not sustainable, right? So I gave myself three months to take the summer off. I did a 90-day protocol with microdoses. I took five days on, two days off, five days on, two days off, five days on, two days off, and took the fourth week of the month off. It's called the afterglow effect, um, where you let it integrate. And then I repeated that cycle of that 30 days for 90 days total. So it was five days on and two days off, except for the fourth week, right? I leaned in to my hypnotherapy. I leaned in to my meditation. I leaned into witnessing my emotions and my thoughts and my fears and what drives me and connected to nature and God and a sustainable source of energy for the first time in probably my whole life. 
I, on mushrooms, on psychedelic mushrooms, you're able to be the witness to your emotions. You're able to be the witness to your trigger. You're able to be the witness to your life, to what drives you, to your subconscious. You remove yourself from the conscious habits, ruminating thoughts, anxiety. And although those things surface and they happen while you're on psychedelic mushrooms, it doesn't mean that those things don't happen or arise. In fact, it amplifies them at times. I call mushrooms an amplifier. Although that does happen, it's not the, it doesn't overwhelm you. It might be extremely emotional and it might be hard to witness, but the next day, the awareness that it brings is like an exhale. Ah, like being able to witness a ruminating thought you've had for almost 30 years and not know that that was your self-language, your self-talk, that you even had the thought that created a behavior, it's mind-blowing. That happened to me. And I heard an almost audible voice tell me when that happened, this thought is deleted. You've experienced it for 30 years. You won't even be able to remember it to tell people about this story. I I was mind-blown. I could tell you about the story, about the thought being deleted. I cannot tell you the thought. But I know that it was a thought that has driven me, and it was a fear-based thought for 30 years. Almost my whole life, I've had that fear. It's driven my actions, my behavior. It's become part of my personality, as Dr. Joe Dispenza says. So what happened in those 90 days was a miraculous experiment of play, joy, inner peace, witnessing, connection. It was incredible. And I like to call that 90-day protocol a page turner because it's literally like I created a new chapter in my life. I felt like I was 28 years old again, which happens to be my favorite age for myself. It was a really great year. It was the most fun, healthy, romantic. It was just amazing. So I felt like that again. And I hear a lot of moms say, like, I feel like a 17-year-old. I feel like a teenager. I feel like who I was before I had kids. You can't quit your day job, right? A lot of us can't quit our jobs, can't quit our careers. We can't quit being mothers, can't quit being partners. You can't stop the train to get off of it. But you can take a little trip. (laughs) And you don't actually have to live that far from reality when you microdose. And so since then, it's been this really beautiful unfolding of life where I experience those bouts of fear and shame and frustration, but they don't dwell for long, right? Like I experience pain and overwhelm, but I don't live in it and I don't create shame cycles around it where it creates like a longer lasting depression. I'm human 
I feel all the things, but I feel them as a witness now. It's like my brain has been retrained. So if you're interested in microdosing and you're afraid, just know that there are doses that don't take you that far from reality. And it's a highly spiritual, intuitive experience. It's going to give you what you need. Your journey might sound a little bit different than mine, but it's going to give you what you need. So that's my story. Thank you guys so much for listening. I have never been able to share that publicly in such length. So if you stuck around, I really appreciate you. And let me know what your thoughts are on this podcast and let me know your stories with microdosing. I would love to I would love to hear about it. I'd love to be your witness. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day, you guys. Every week we have a reoccurring segment and I share my favorite things, tangible products to use, things to walk away with, and above and beyond the inspiration of these conversations. This week's rebellious perspective. What if unadulterated sacred plants weren't illegal, like at all? Wouldn't that be a concept? Now, I do believe in protecting specific tribal plants like peyote or the toads, bufo. They take decades to grow and only grow in one part of the world and are used in native ceremonial practices. But what if mushrooms, cannabis, ayahuasca was legal? Not for everybody to just disperse maybe, but legal to use, legal to grow, legal to pick off the ground and consume. What kind of world might we have? With all the proof, the studies, and centuries of use, let's emphasize centuries of use in indigenous communities safely. How are we classifying these plants and criminalizing them? That's my rebellious perspective this week. Read, if you're curious about microdosing, go grab my totally free Microdose 101 guide. I walk you through protocols, best practices, and FAQs. There's 24 pages of goodness in there. We'll leave the link here in the show notes. Shop. Support your gut and your immune system with Goldie Shroom Shield. I add it to coffee every single morning. I stick it in my frother with my milk. It's delicious. I'm not being paid for this or to say this. I'm just in love with their product. Creamy cacao meets functional shrooms for immunity and stress defense. Boosted with reishi and turkey tail mushrooms to support your mind and body. All of the benefits none of the mushroom flavor. You will love this. Take $5 off when you use my link. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for sticking around for my favorite things. And please subscribe to this podcast, rate and share and recommend to friends who you think would enjoy. Have an awesome day. 